Welcome back, everyone, to Your Life, God's Word, where we take the principles found in Scripture and we apply them to our everyday lives, those areas that are most important, faith, family, and community. Okay, welcome back, fam. We have been out for a couple of weeks, and so I apologize for those that are kind of watching in anticipation on a weekly basis. Hopefully it's going to be a absence makes the heart grow fonder type of situation. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I appreciate everyone uh, tuning back in for this next episode. I think it's very apropos for the season. We are in December 2022 right now, and we're going to be talking about uh, Jesus Christ in a, in a context that a lot of us in Western culture are somewhat unfamiliar with and uh, uh, is very scriptural, though. Uh, so, yeah, bear with me as we, as we dive into this. Um, I want to do a quick exercise before I jump in. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a word, and obviously if you're driving or operating uh, in the machinery or something, don't don't do this. But if you if you can, uh, close your eyes for a second. I'm gonna say a word, and you bring up a picture. Just whatever first thing comes to your mind when you hear the word, bring up a picture, and uh, then we'll, we'll kind of roll from there. Ready? Uh, on three, two, one. Eyes closed. Here's the word, Jesus. The word is Jesus. All right, what picture came to your mind? And if you didn't close your eyes, that's fine, just as long as you kind of bring up a picture. I am willing to bet that most people uh, pictured something like, you know, Jesus in a white robe, maybe preaching, maybe uh, maybe Jesus holding a child, ministering, Jesus coming and blessing, saving, healing, maybe Jesus on the cross. Uh you know, something like that. Maybe, you know, Jesus from the chosen sitting around with his disciples and laughing and talking and ministering. But I wonder how many people brought up the kind of picture that I'm going to be talking about today. Um, I think it's important that we do have a, a, a scriptural idea of Jesus and also a fully scriptural, a complete and scriptural view of Jesus. A lot of times people have sort of a one-dimensional Jesus, and most of the time it's based off of how we kind of perceive or we want Jesus to be. A lot of people just want Jesus to kind of be like a Santa Claus that uh, maybe doesn't have the gut and the white beard. There's no reindeer. There's no red suit, but we can also put him on the shelf and pull him off the shelf anytime we want, but he kind of just stays on the shelf. He's kind of our trinket. He's our um, our sort of you know, genie in the lamp with unlimited wishes, like that kind of thing. Jesus, I need you to heal me. Jesus, I want you to bless me. Jesus, I want you to protect my family. Jesus, I want you to get me this job uh, promotion. Uh, you know, Jesus... You know, is kind of eternal fire insurance, or our get out of hell free card type of thing. And based on the uh, you know the picture that you kind of conjured up, that that will be somewhat telling as to how you view Jesus. Now, I will say this: Jesus 
is a savior. He's he's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's uh, uh, one one that comes and ministers to us. He is yes, many 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 things. But too often we focus on what we get out of the relationship, and we don't focus on him being sort of in the rightful place in our our lives. So let's go to Revelation 17, and we're going to talk a little bit about that other side of Jesus that many people don't, uh, maybe don't even know about, <laughs> to be honest with you. It doesn't always preach real well in America um, when we talk about like Jesus being Lord. Now we might say, oh Lord Jesus, or we'll sing a song about Jesus being Lord of Lords or even Lord of my life or whatever. But there's a difference between singing a song about it and Jesus actually being Lord, uh, you know, over our lives. So again, I want to, uh, you know, take some time. We're going to go to Revelation chapter uh, 17. We're also going to go to uh, Revelation chapter 19, a couple different places in in Revelation. And um, let's go. Revelation 17 and 14 is where we're going. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and those with Him are called chosen, are sorry, are called and chosen, and faithful. All right, so now we're going to go to Revelation 19, and we're going to look at verses 11 through 16. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it, is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. So let's stop right there on verse 11. Is that the picture you conjured up of Jesus? Uh, sort of in battle array, ready to make war, right? A warrior. Is that what you pictured? Let's go on. Verse 12. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them, the nations, with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Again, is that the picture you kind of conjured up in your mind? You know, Jesus on a horse coming to make war, going to trample the, you know, the nations underfoot and in wrath. Uh... I doubt it. You know, I doubt it. He's ruling with a rod of iron. I mean, is that how you picture Jesus? I mean, that's you know, that's how you picture like Doctor Doom. Um, but but not not Jesus. Oh no no no, certainly not my Jesus. My Jesus would never. Um, no, no no no. We need a full picture of Jesus. We need the picture of Jesus that includes him as Lord. And that's the problem. The problem with too many uh, people who would claim Christianity, who would claim to be Christians, the problem with too many 
is that they don't actually make Jesus Lord, therefore not really a biblical Christian. Um, it, it, it's it's unfortunate, but, but it is just a, it, much of it is a cultural phenomenon, especially in the last hundred or so years. Um, we've, we've deviated from this idea of master-servant, of Lord Jesus, and Jesus has been, you know, kind of relegated more to like our buddy, our friend, our bestie, and uh, or, again, just a genie that we rub the lamp and he pops up and, what do you need? And we tell him what we need and he gets it done for us. And um, then he goes back in the lamp. So, not the right picture of Jesus, though. Uh, certainly not according to the scriptures. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 4 through 6 is where I'm going next. And this is kind of like the, it's almost like the Shema of the New Testament, right? The Shema in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh Kind of the same thing, kind of a parallel here in 1 Corinthians 8, 4 through 6. So let's go look at it. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know, we being the early church Christians, right? <laughs> the OG Christians, I would say, real Christians, biblical Christians, right? Kingdom of God Christians. Uh, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many, and you know, kind of in quotes, gods and many lords. Here it is, verse 6. So 1 Corinthians 8, 6 is the, you know, I'll say New Testament Shema, sort of, if you want to look at it that way. Verse 6 says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist, uh, from whom, sorry, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. So, the problem is, we've we've turned that kind of away, and we've turned to other lords. Jesus really isn't the Lord. The Lord is ourselves. The Lord is sin and self-indulgence. The Lord is religious organizations, religious affiliation, right? Religious circles. The Lord is, you know, this world and the things of this world. Um, that's kind of the Lord that many people serve. And we need to realize that Jesus Christ, for those of us, Right again, First Corinthians, us. We can't read scriptures and say, "Oh, it says us." That's me because I'm reading this Bible verse. Uh, no, there's the us has a context. Those who were Christ's, who are biblical kingdom of God Christians, that's the us. And us means we make Jesus Lord of our lives, and. Uh, gotquestions.org actually has a good kind of article on this, understanding what it means to be a Lord. You can go check that out. But um, just do a little bit of study. You, you know, the word Lord, again, it's Lord. 
he's a master. He is a, you know, here's the Lord kind of up here and we're down here below serving him. Um, he is the Lord. And there are hundreds of scriptures uh, that reference Jesus as Lord. Um, Acts 9.5, right? This is where uh, Paul says, hey, who are you, Lord? Right? Acts 7, uh, Stephen says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Um, Acts 8.16, the Bible says, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. Uh, Acts 10, verse 36, when, uh, when Peter is preaching to Cornelius, says he's Lord of all. And then later in that chapter, verse 48, uh, he was, they were commanded to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Um, Acts 16 refers to believing on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Acts 19.5, they're baptized in the name of the Lord. Acts 22, baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. Um, a lot of the Lordship of Christ is connected with, um, with baptism, but it is really in the initial acceptance of the truth of the gospel. Part of the gospel is that we make Jesus Lord of our lives. We Yes, the gospel, the good news, um, if you want to boil it down to the 1 Corinthians 15 um, discussion where Paul says, hey, I, I delivered to you the gospel, right? And he goes on and says that Christ died for our sins, was buried, was crucified, and then he was seen, uh, you know, so that we have the ascension, the resurrection, the ascension. Um, again, okay, great, that happened, but how does that affect me? It affects us when we believe that message and we say, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. That starts our journey. That will get us to things like repentance, to baptism, to living righteously, to um, all the different things that come with making Jesus Lord. Now, Acts 18, 28, 30, and 31. This is the end of I said 18, Acts 28. So it's the end of the book of Acts. Acts 28, verses 30 and 31 says, He lived there two whole years, talking about Paul. Now, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Right? They're interconnected. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. They are interconnected. When you are kingdom-minded, when you're trying to be uh, more kingdom-oriented, kingdom-minded, focus on the kingdom of God, uh, the lordship of Christ is an integral part of that discussion, of that understanding. And again, not just knowing it, saying it, believing it, but actually making it so. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, we see what happens when people say Lord, but they don't really make Jesus Lord. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, many will say to me, 
Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So obviously Jesus knew them for like informational purposes, right? He knew who these people were. Um, the issue is that he didn't, they did not know him as Lord. They, they called him Lord, but they didn't really make him Lord. Now, how does, that, how does that happen? Remember, he said, they say Lord, Lord, but they don't do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus often connected uh, love for him, connected relationship with him, made these connections to obedience to him. Um, and we see that right here in this scripture. They're saying it, but they're not doing, they're not obeying. And of course, later on, you know, Jesus gives the parable of the, um, the, the, well, I think a lot of times we'll call it the wise and foolish builders, right? The one built on the rock, one built on the sand, the storm comes, the one on the sand gets, you know, destroyed and the one on the rock stands. And he says, what? Who, who's the one on the rock? The one on the rock is those that hear the word and do it or obey it, right? And the one on the sand is the one who hears it. So they still hear it, but they don't do, they don't obey. There's no action of obedience. And that's what Jesus is looking for. And when you go back and you look at what it means for someone to be a Lord over someone else, ultimately, we are to be obeying Christ. We're to walk in his footsteps. We are to obey him. What does it mean for some for Jesus to be Lord? He is my Lord, but I don't obey him. That doesn't make any... That, that's not possible. That's not possible. Now, Acts 2.36 says this, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, or Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. See, the very first preaching of the New Testament church, of course, we know the New Testament church, right? Where do we find the birth of the church? It's in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, we see the first time that Peter preached the, the gospel message to a crowd there um, gathered in Jerusalem. And what did he say? He said, you need to understand that God has made Jesus Lord and Christ. Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, quick, I'm going to hit this real quick on Romans chapter 10, because a lot of people use this sort of as a, uh, a go-to passage for um, hands-off, nonchalant Christianity. Uh, action, I'll say actionless Christianity. Of course, there's no such thing. Uh, obedience and repentance, for instance. Oh, repentance is obedience, but obedience is a requirement, right? Jesus as Lord is a requirement. This says, oh, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Now, hold on a minute. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. But Matthew 7, we already read it, says, not everybody who says Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, what's going on? Contradiction in Scripture. Wrong. Wrong. 
when Romans 10.9 is talking about if you confess, it's not saying you say something and it's not really true. That confession is what you're saying lines up with your actions, right? We can go to James chapter 2, for instance, right? Uh, faith without action, faith without, depending on the translation you use, faith without action, faith without deeds, or faith without works is dead. It's useless, according to James chapter 2. And so we get a full picture of, no, it's not just say it, and it's, and it's done. It's not just blab it and, oh, there you go, you're in. It has to be a reality. And the way we know that things are true, that we say or that we confess, is that there are actions that actually come about. So if we are saying Jesus is Lord and we love Jesus and I'm a Christian, and then we turn around and disobey his word— Okay, well, you know, I can say I'm the president of the United States, but that doesn't make it the case. Um, anybody can say, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, I'm a good person, uh, Jesus is my Lord and King, I have relationship with Jesus. Anybody can say that. It doesn't take anything to say that. The reality is, many people who say that, that's not true. Again, I direct you to Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus said, many will say, Lord, Lord. Um, making that quote-unquote confession isn't sufficient unless that confession lines up with reality. Okay, So when we get to Romans 10, again, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. These words to the early church didn't mean... There's no action, there's no evidence, there's no reality to it. You just quote-unquote believe and just say some words and you're good to go. I'm sorry, that is not... Now again, that might make me feel good, it might make you feel better. In a worship service, I raise my hand and confess Jesus as, as Lord and boom, there it is, I'm in. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. I mean, again, you can't show that. Yeah, you can pull Romans 10, 9 out and say, well, there it is right there. But it's inconsistent with the rest of Scripture. Scripture dictates that Jesus must actually be Lord. And for him to actually be Lord, we must actually be walking in obedience to him. Now, there's a learning process, a growing process. We call that sanctification. Um, there are things that sometimes we, we're not aware of. Um, and that's why we should learning, studying, listening to this podcast, things like that, part of a local assembly where we can learn and grow and develop in God. But listen, obedience to Jesus is a requirement. Uh, Acts 5.32, I believe it is, says that uh, God gives the Holy Spirit. Oh man, I'm going to butcher this. Why don't we just, why don't we just bring it up? Um, Acts 5.32. Um, and we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost. Uh, this is the King James Version that just came up. So, uh, whom God hath given to them that obey him. You know, God has given the Holy Spirit to those who what? Obey him. Um, again, obedience is a, a, a key. Romans, uh, I believe it's Romans 5, and I think also Romans 16 says the obedience that comes from faith. Uh, 
a natural outflow of real biblical faith is obedience, right? Making Jesus Lord is, I mean, top to bottom, all the way through the gospel message. Like I said, Acts chapter 2, first time the gospel is preached, it's talking about Jesus being Lord. Yes, he's Savior. Yes, he's Christ. Yes, he, but he's Lord. He has, he's Lord. When we get baptized, for instance, we need to understand um, you're making a, you're making a, a big step here. You're, you're, you're saying, hey, wait a minute, Jesus is now Lord of my life instead of it being me, or instead of it being some religious institution, or instead of it being, you know, whatever. It, it's now Jesus. And now when Jesus says something, we do it. When he says jump, we say how high. When he says something in his word, maybe it even rubs us the wrong way. But, oh my goodness, if, that's, if Jesus is commanding this, if Jesus desires this, if Jesus is saying this, guess what we do? We align ourselves with him. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. Jesus um, talks about this a little bit more. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. When a flood arose, the stream broke against that house. He couldn't shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. What's the point there? Why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I tell you? Obedience is proof that Jesus is Lord. I'm going to say that again. Obedience to Jesus Christ is proof that Jesus is Lord. When we disobey him, he is not Lord. <laughs> okay. Again, there are many lords, and most people, especially like in the West, most people, our real Lord is ourselves. We do what we want to do. Now, Jesus might fit into that because we like the picture of Jesus that we conjure up. We like the idea of him blessing us, of him being on our side, him being in our corner. We certainly like the idea of dying and going to heaven and all this kind of stuff. But that didn't happen if he's not Lord. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Matthew chapter 7 again. And you're going to say, Lord, Lord, hey, what's up? And he's going to say, I don't know who you are. Sorry. You call me Lord, but you don't do what I say. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Again, that confession is not just words. There are actions that must go with that. The primary action is obedience to Jesus Christ. When we read it in the Word, when we hear it preached, as long as it's lining up with the Word. Again, I can't help it that a lot of preaching doesn't line up with the Bible. <laughs> That's not on me, you know, unless it's me doing the preaching. And again, I try to be changeable. I try to be correctable. I try to be teachable. I'm sure there are plenty of times I've taught things, said things, maybe preached things that I had to change because, you know what, the Word actually isn't saying that, isn't teaching that. And I, I pray by the grace of God that I I don't fall into that boat, um, but also by the grace and the mercy of God that if I do, I can I can change it. I can I can have the humility to change and line up with what Jesus wants me to teach and preach. 
Um, but yes, there's a lot of preaching that is garbage, trash. Doesn't it makes you feel good. I'm not going to say it doesn't make you feel good. Um, it's a feel good message. It's a self help type of thing. Throw some Jesus in there. Throw scripture out of context. You know, connect it loosely, and boom, there we go. Um, I just described probably 75% of you know preaching in most places. The problem is that is not what Jesus is looking for. Jesus is looking for people to share His word and obey it. He doesn't want people coming, you know, to service after service after service and just made to feel good about themselves where they are already. He wants conviction. He wants change. When's the last time you went to a service and were convicted of sin? When's the last time you went to a, a, a church service, a meeting, a prayer meeting, uh, a Bible study, and you you left going, you know what, I need to... I need to make some changes here. I need to I need to obey Jesus better. When's the last time that happened? If it's been a long time, I mean, just do a self-check, you know? Just check it. Am I just going to a place because I'm comfortable there? Do I just go to a local assembly because... Now, again, we should go to a local assembly. Um, I'm not, again, I'm not teaching the... You know, worldwide church, we all just you know do church online, nobody's accountable. No, I'm not I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying what is it that makes us like our local assembly? Is it because they help us to be uh, better aligned with Christ? They help us to uh better obey Jesus, and we're all it's a place where we're all on a journey together, encouraging one another and helping one another to what? To obey Jesus better, to love him better, to to be more kingdom? Or is it because they've got a great Sunday school program? Kids love it. I can sit through it for 45 minutes and I'm out of here. Is it because, you know, it's a great concert plus a TED talk? You know, why not? I I'm just saying, that's not saving faith. That's not that's not kingdom of God. Because um, you can go to a TED Talk and come out feeling, hey, man, positive. Um, but, you know, positivity isn't going to get you in the kingdom of God. It's obedience to Jesus, making him Lord. Now, check this out. I'm going to end it with this. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And in making disciples, part of that process is teaching people to observe everything he's commanded. So ties right in with what I'm talking about. We are to obey what Jesus commands. Where do we find Jesus uh, Jesus's commands in the scripture. That's it. So we need to be obeying the scriptures. We need to be reading, studying. We should be plugging into a local assembly that preaches the scripture, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We should not be shying away from portions of scripture that we just find uncomfortable or we don't like. Our culture doesn't really, it doesn't jive with our culture, so we kind of... No, that's not obedience. 
That's selective obedience, which is disobedience, right? Another word for selective obedience is disobedience. <laughs> uh, selective obedience is just a euphemism. Um, but what I want to focus on here is that all authority is in Christ. He is Lord over all. He's Lord over sickness, pain, infirmity, Lord over emotional suffering like depression or anxiety. He's Lord over every situation, Lord over your past, present, and future. He's Lord of all. He's Lord of all. He already is. But the question is, are we going to walk in obedience to him, therefore making him Lord right now for us? And I will say that when we do walk in an alignment with Christ, we walk in the kingdom of God, we are in the... <laughs> I remember one, one time I heard... Well, it's a couple of times I've heard this. Where we're under the spout where the glory comes out. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it's kind of true. We are aligning ourselves in a positional... Uh, kind of strategy where blessings just tend to flow. He's Lord over things like sickness and pain. I believe firmly that there are times where Jesus Christ will heal things in our bodies before they even become a problem when we're walking with him as we should. Um, it, it's, it's, it's difficult to become depressed and anxious when we're really, we're really making Jesus Lord, and we're really walking and following after him. Now, again, when, when we're just kind of going to church, just kind of attending church, um, just kind of, uh, you know, checking the box, again, that, yes, that, that can become frustrating, and that frustration can lead to things like anxiety and depression. But again, when we're serving others, when we've got a missional kind of idea of the kingdom of God that is taught in the scripture and that is fulfilling obedience to Christ, it's difficult to fall into that kind of thing. It's, it's certainly difficult to fall into sin because we are not just doing things like, well, I just don't want to go all the way over to where it's a sin. We're doing things like Hebrews commands where we're laying aside the sin and even the weight. We don't even want things to be weighing us down. We don't want things to get out of order, right? We're, we're having things like self-control, fruit of the Spirit, that kind of thing. But again, it's all wrapped up in making Jesus Lord, making Him Lord over our lives. He really is Lord of all. But when we decide, I don't, I'm not going to make Him Lord of my life, we take ourselves out of alignment. We take ourselves away from much of what he wants us to have and would like us to, to benefit or ways that he could use us as effective tools and ministers in the kingdom of God. We take ourselves away from that. And so, again, we need to have a proper picture of Jesus, not just a savior, not just as... You know, on the cross, his blood shed, but also as the literal Lord of our lives. So, hope this has helped you. Definitely go back, 
Look at some of those scriptures we brought up. Look at some of the, you know, some of the things on Jesus as Lord and really, you know, take it to heart and take it in and let's start walking in obedience to Jesus Christ as evidence of his lordship in our lives. And until next time, I bid you adieu. God bless. Love y'all. Catch y'all next episode.